0: I was born in 1942. Television was not here yet. That didn't come until popular in early fifties. By that time I was eight, nine, ten years old. So we had radio. What you didn't have much of on the radio was news. Yeah, a little bit. Edward R. Murrow, he was the newscaster that night. Or if you go to the theater, the show, they'd have a newsreel up there just for a minute or two. When television came along, they had a lot of programming. Well, not really. Three, you know, networks. But, uh, and I remember the tuning thing that you saw in the morning and came on at night. And most of the time there was nothing on it. But there was a news program at night, Walter Concrete, somebody like that. And cable came along, it was ready to give you cable for a fee and no commercials. did you remember that one? so <laughs> I'm going to show you why you can't trust it in a minute, and the remedy. this is coming out of my ear because it's giving me a large hassle. I don't like it. okay, so and that's new so um. today that's not the case. We are bombarded with stuff. You can't get up in the morning or or anything, you can't get away without having you bombarded with unbelief and with fear, with terror, with confusion. And most of it is all lies. Now, I want to read a couple of scriptures out of Psalm 2. Then I'm going to read something that I wrote just a little while ago for my website. And then I'm going to go back and finish up with Psalm 2, okay? So hold fast. Why do the heathen rage? You know what heathen are? The heathen are people who do not know God. They rage. Tumultuous. And why are they imagining a vain thing? They got imaginations. All vanity. Vanity, vanity, vanity. Everything you hear and see practically is vanity. It's a lie. The kings of the earth. Now, who are the kings of the earth? The kings of the earth are the politicians that are bought by corporations, and they make rules, and they feed the news media, and there they are, setting themselves. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against you. That's what's happening. I'm going to show you why in a minute. Hang on, then I'm going to show you the answer. And here's what they're saying. Let us break their bands asunder. It's like Dana here. Dana, she represents Christ in her store. I know where she works, been there forever. And it's you come against her, but God is using it for good. (laughs) Let us break their bands away from us. Let us break them up and cast away their cords from us, their restraint. Well, what is the problem here? I want to read you something that I wrote a while ago for my website. The Garden of Eden was filled with fruit bearing trees that was food for Adam and Eve. Standing in the center of the garden were two trees of interest. God brought them to the attention of Adam. One was called the tree of life. The other he called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was no explanation. I'm sure that Adam had no idea what God was talking about. God told Adam that he could freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, but not the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He warned him of the consequences of feeding from that tree. He would die. Adam explained the situation to his wife Eve, but God neglected to tell Adam of the serpent and his purpose in deceiving God's man. Adam would have to choose who to believe. I want to preach on that sometime. Anyway, the serpent bypassed Adam. How about that? He bypassed Adam. Hey, do you remember what Job, the devil, came to God and said, Listen, if you, if you take everything from him, he'll curse you to your face. And he didn't. But his dear wife did. And she's got a bad rap for that. I'm going to tell you about his wife. I love her sometime. Anyway. He approached Eve. He does that. And he deceived her into eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was a pretty tree. The fruit smelled good. It looked as if it tasted good, and a serpent's promise made it appear as a fruit that would make one wise. It looked harmless. It also had that lure of that which is forbidden. You know all about that? She ate and her eyes were immediately opened to new things. She offered the fruit to her husband, who knew better, but he could not bear the thought of losing his wife. So in full knowledge of the truth, Adam ate the fruit. This disobedience of believing someone other than God was the original sin that separated Adam and Eve from fellowship with God. That one little act of not believing God, of believing somebody else. Oh, they believed. We all believe something. That one little act. So that separated Adam and Eve from fellowship with God. Adam no longer had the wisdom of God. He would be nourished only by the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil forever through their bloodline. This curse affected every child that would be born down to this very hour. That includes the re- that includes you and me and our kids. That is why the whole system is wrong in this world. It can't be trusted. Every institution, whether it's politics, education, finance, religious systems, government, medicine, family, arts and entertainment, business, as well as philosophy and psychology, and all you can think of is founded upon and operated by the knowledge of good and evil without the wisdom of God. Now, if you believe that this, what I'm speaking, is radical and fanatical, you've not read nor believed the scriptures, the prophets, as well as the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles. To the extent that your information, your interests, instruction, and hopes are, are at all rooted in the systems of the world, Use your imagination. You are feeding on the same tree that God condemned Adam and his posterity for eating. This, we are what we think about. Read and meditate on the scriptures day and night. You'll be a fruitful vine in the Lord. Our only hope is to immerse ourselves in the scriptures, which is the Word of God. Now, many seem to believe that it's responsibilities of preachers and teachers to search the scriptures and tell us what to believe. That's what the unfaithful apostate Hebrews told Moses when God wanted to speak to them and teach them. Essentially, they said, now you hear what God says and tell us. The fruit of that was the Ten Commandments and a host of other laws that magnified the knowledge of good and evil, but could not save them. Think about it. That's what the Ten Commandments did. Oh, I believe the Ten Commandments. Good, so does the devil. But they won't save you. They're based in the knowledge of good and evil. They contrast good evil. Do this and live. But not in the New Covenant. The New Covenant is live and do this. So the only law that will save us is the law of faith, which will give us the Spirit of God and the anointing to learn Christ. Each of us, every one of us. We will eschew and reject the wisdom of the world. We'll be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We will know what Jesus knows. And we will be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We will save ourselves from this generation. So come out from among them. Be separate. Take upon yourself the yoke of Christ. And be transformed in the spirit of your mind. The tree of life is available to you. Religion will not save you. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is destined for the lake of fire as well as its fruit and works. So don't be included in its fruit. Because the great question is this, who will we believe and whose counsel will we act upon? This is why I'm so blessed by Dana this morning. Dana, honey, I did that 44 years ago. And I've had no visible means of support since with three kids, have six kids, traveled the world. All I did was obey Jesus to rejoice. Okay. I told you that we'd go back into Psalm 2. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Now, who is that? (laughs) That's God. He'll have them in derision. Now, think about all these kings and authorities. They're called principalities and powers, by the way. You mean the bank is a principality? Yes. You mean GM is a pri- Yes! You mean the White House? Yes. It's a principality. It's run by evil principalities and powers. That's why it does what it does, because I just told you why it does what it does. That's why, because it's based on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's sin personified and manifested. that company that she worked for, who I know who that is, that's a principality. And all they've done is come against one of the part of the bride of Christ. That's all. That's all it is. It's persecution for righteousness' sake. Hallelujah. Okay. But here is this. God will laugh at them. God has him in derision. All that time, he's holding us like this in the palm of his hand. Jim read it. He's holding us right there. He can't do much to you. Listen, if I feared anything, if I have any ounce of fear in me for anything, I don't care if it's life, death, sickness, being broke, living in the street, getting shot at by somebody, getting beat up by me, none of that fear is frightening to me. I have no fear of anything Because if I did, I could not be a servant of God. I'd be moved by my own need. And I'm told all the time to not have fear in the Word. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath. When's all this going to happen? And vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill Of Zion. Wait a minute. Now, we already know that this is somebody in heaven, not on earth, who has set his king. (laughs) A king. The last authority. The final rule. The last word. Who is this guy? I will declare the decree, and the Lord said to me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I'm sure he did. And we do. And I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. Gosh, have you that's another message I can't go there. Listen, I could keep you here till next month. But I gotta stay on track here. Kenneth stay on track. For your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth. Uttermost for your possession. This is his promise to his son, who is the king today, who is set on the holy hill. And here's his promise you shall break them. Who? The rulers, with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, you kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son who is on the throne today, lest you be angry. He be angry, and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled just a little. He's not a wrathful, vengeful king. No, no, he's a merciful king. He loves us. And I'm going to show you what that looked like. Blessed are they all they that put their trust in him. Who is this guy? the angel appeared to a young virgin in Judea. And implanted in her from God was the seed of a man and also the seed of God. He was born in a barn in Bethlehem, Judea. And he was laid in a feeding trough And the angels came and worshiped, and a few shepherds from out the fields came and worshiped. And his parents took him to a backwater place called Nazareth, and there he was raised in obscurity. And there he grew in wisdom and in stature as God and as man." God is going to fulfill His promise of Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion. He's going to fulfill that. It wasn't in the book of Genesis. It was only in His, his image. But now, now that full-born son is coming. And He's in the likeness of God. The express image of His person. Is in that little body. In that little boy who had to grow up on his mother's breast, had to grow up and working in the carpenter shop, had to deal with the other kids in the neighborhood, suffered a lot of stuff coming his way. Everything you've been suffering with, everything that troubles you troubled him. He overcame it. He was without sin. He never once departed from his faith in the living God and obedience to God. He was born of the Spirit. How about you? So laying his life at the Father's feet, he obeyed and he suffered. And at the age of 30, the age of 30 is the time when the priest came into the priesthood. He couldn't come in at 29. 30. Jesus came out at 30. And he identified with my sin when he went down into the waters of baptism in Jordan River. And he came forth And he was driven into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights where he beat the devil on his own ground. And when the devil was just firmly whipped, he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And then he came to deliver me and others because he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. We're still talking about the king. Then, of course, religion did what it does. It accused him and had him arrested by the civil authorities. And they lied about him and falsely accused him. And he willingly, now willingly, rejoicing for the joy that was set before him. He saw you. and You. He saw every one of us. So he gladly hung on a tree as a criminal, as a curse, mocked, treason. They buried him in a borrowed a grave. So they laid that body on a piece of cold slab stone and rolled a stone across the hole And out of that body came the spirit of the man. And went into the prison house where all those who were disobedient before the flood were stored and kept. And he preached the word of God to them. But his soul departed as well and went into hell. But he had the promise, Thou will not suffer thy holy one to seek corruption, neither will you leave my soul in hell. Living by the promise so his soul went down and took the keys of death and hell from the one who had held it since the Garden of Eden, Satan. And on the morning of the third day, his soul and his spirit returned to his body, and he stood up and, in the presence of the angels, <laughs> walked out of that grave. And he came, okay, This is the king we're talking about now. This is the king. This is the one who's on the throne today, right now, right now. In this room as well. <laughs> he went to his disciples. And of course, their hope was restored. And then he sat with his disciples for 40 days and taught them the things of the kingdom. Then from a hill in Bethany, he departed. They watched him go. The angels were there as well. You men of Judea, why do you stand here gazing? This same Jesus is going to come back. When? Oh, very shortly. And off he went into heaven. And on his way, his body was changed from that flesh and bone that ate fish on the shore To that heavenly glorious body that's in heaven now. And I've seen this. He marched right into heaven's throne room like he belonged there. And he marched right up to the throne and the father welcomed him in. Well done, son. And that son sat down on that throne next to the father. And the father handed him the scepter. He said, it's yours. Establish my kingdom. Destroy your enemies. And when you're completely done, give it back to me so God will be all in all. That's not it, though. It's not the end. The king is still there. But he had a couple of other things to do. He told those disciples to wait in Jerusalem, and they did. And ten days after his ascension on the morning of Pentecost, they're in that room, and suddenly the place shook. There was a sound of a mighty rushing wind around them, And the Spirit of God descended upon every one of them like tongues of fire over their heads, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with Christ! The Son of God! And they came out of that, stumble out of that room, drunk in the Spirit, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And now, children, the question is, how... Is he going to defeat these kings? How is he going to bring this thing under his rule, his authority? It's running wild. The news broadcasts are wicked and lies. The politicians are putting laws on you that they shouldn't put on you. They're trying to to control you. It doesn't matter what country you're in, it's all the same. How is he going to do that? He's going to do that through his son. His son has grown in size, by the way. That son that's in heaven is the head. And the outflow of that head is a body of which I know I am part. And you are too. Our faith has brought us into the body. So how does he defeat his enemies? Does he shoot them with a gun? Does he stab them with a knife? Slice them through with a sword maybe? Put them all in prison? Give them a good whipping and send them home? He doesn't do that very often. (laughs) He loves them to death. For God did really so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. Even those individuals that you don't like today. Even those individuals that your flesh would like to do something to. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Your enemies will be defeated and are defeated by love. All the while, you're right here in the hollow of His hand. You cannot be touched. He will always make a way for you. Always. Did I say always? I'm telling you, I know, that you can trust him explicitly. You can serve him like the Apostle Paul did with your spirit. Because the kingdom of God is here. And it's in you. And all power and all authority has been given to you. But the question is this. Who would you believe? Can we measure this up somehow to our lives? Can we somehow apply the issues to our lives and see if there's something that I can if there's a place I can put to believe God about something. Dana's expressed hers already this morning, and Heather's expressed hers this morning, and I got a few. You know, the the righteous are as bold as a lion, (laughs) but the wicked flees when no man pursues it. Who's the wicked, the one that doesn't believe God? That's all it takes. It really doesn't take much to be wicked. Oh, that's a soothsayer. Oh, that's a prostitute. Oh, that's a murderer. Oh, that's a sex Oh, that's just that. That's only the fruit. The crime is unbelief. So, who will you believe today? Whose counsel will you follow today and act upon? Because the king is on his throne. And he's the only one that'll win. And you want to be on his team because you're part of it. So now Dana is in a situation where God can move her about. (laughs) I don't know what he's going to do. Maybe something totally different she never thought about. I don't know, but I know that she carries, she carries the glory and the blessing because whom he justified, he also glorified. And that's us. We carry the glory of God, children. You don't see it all the time. You don't feel it. I asked the Lord something this morning. He hasn't answered me yet. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She came downstairs and ran out of the crowd. And now Jesus is so crowded with people, touched by everybody. Oh, I went on a rabbit track. I wasn't going here. But anyway, I'll quit in a minute anyway. And she finally touched him. They tried to kid her not to to don't touch her. Hey, he's too busy for you. But she wouldn't be dissuaded. She just went right in and grabbed his coat. And Jesus stopped. Now there's about 68 hands on him. Who touched me? And Peter said, what? What do you mean? They've all touched you. No, no. Somebody touched me because I felt virtue go out of my body. Now, I'm sure you've all read that or heard that, most of you. And we just said, Wow, virtue went out of his body. But I didn't stop there. Why? What was it? What did you? Listen, you said you felt virtue go out of your body. You have three parts to you, Lord Jesus. You are a flesh man, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. And all three of them can feel. The soul has been divided from the spirit. Hebrews 4. So, how was it that you felt virtue go out of your body? Let me ask you this. If you knew what Jesus knew, as a man, if you were filled with the same spirit that he was filled with, he only spoke in tongues one time that I know of, I mean, it's only recorded once. You didn't know that. Jarius's daughter. He said something that had to be interpreted. Tally, kumai, thubi, something like that. I don't know. It's a tongue. But if you knew that, and if you could feel virtue going out of your body, and you knew what he knew, what would you do tomorrow morning? Is there a hospital you might go to? Is there a... Is there an insane salary you might go to? Would you go to the mall and find people that are broken and sick? Would you take the presence of God to them? Would you look at them and say, Hi, I see. do you have some pain in your body? I do. I've had this back issue you about nine years. What is the pain right now on a scale from, let's say, one to ten? Oh, it's about six. How often is it like that? All the time. Well, excuse me. Come, let me pray for you. Huh? Yeah, over here take the presence of God to them. I've watched this being done. And I've done it. How would we live our lives? How would we live our lives knowing there's a King in the glory and we're part of Him? We cannot be separated from Him. Jim read that. We cannot be separated. If you've got Him, you cannot be separated from Him. because as He is, you are in this world right now. Seems like there's a courage thing here, doesn't it? Where can courage come from? I'd like to submit to you that by reading and meditating and believing on the Word of God, Because I'm back to what I wrote to you. Where will you get your information? If you get it from the world, if you get it from YouTube or some preacher, that's not enough. I'm preaching to you this morning because I was asked to do that. But you have access to the Scriptures. You have access to the Spirit of God. Did you know that He, in the middle of the night He preached this to me? I heard it from Him. I'm only giving to you what I heard from Him. He's wonderful, isn't he, Jim? It's like I told you last year, Jim. I came up and told you, you're a man of faith. I know that. So, let's get courageous. Let's get fanatical. Let's not consider ourselves dead. Let's consider him who's alive, and we are part of him. Now, I've told you before, I'm going to tell you again today. Okay, you got this? This is not me. This voice is not me. These shoes and these feet and these hands, this body is not me. It's a house that I happen to live in. I carried around with me. It's like my car. I didn't have to walk in this body from Fenton to here this morning. I was able to drive my old Mercury. But that Mercury is not me. This body is not me. The power is not in this flesh. The life isn't even in this flesh. I'm keeping this flesh alive through my word, his word, through my spirit, his spirit. So don't be bound by time and don't be bound by space and don't be bound by your body. Because your spirit, man, my mother was about 90 years old in a wheelchair Kenner. I'm just so tired, but you know what? I feel like I'm 18 inside. I said, you are, mother. <laughs> Make that guy run the show, not your flesh, not your mind. That's part of your flesh, your, 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 your mind, your will, your emotions, all the other things that say, you can't do that. Don't do that. Go. Oh, you can't believe that. So let me part with this. There's a king on the throne. And I don't know what else to tell you, but he's your king. And he smiles on you. And he encourages you. And he has nothing against you. Because God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. How much more will he not impute anything against you? He has nothing against you. You're free today. Be free in the name of Jesus, because your king has got it all together, and the show ain't over yet, so don 't be angry, people with people. love them, bless them that 's how he wins his enemies, He brings them to their knees to him to where they, so that, that that word comes to pass that every knee shall bow, how many is every? Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, the image of God is in every man, but not the likeness. The likeness is in you. Amen? Bless you.